listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. Hey listeners, before we get to today's interview, I want to tell you about an exciting development. Grief Out Loud recently partnered with BetterHelp. Have you heard of them? They provide online counseling and support with licensed counselors via video, phone call, real-time chat, and messaging. When BetterHelp reached out to us to ask if we wanted to partner, we thought, well, we better try it before we recommend it to you. So a few weeks ago, I signed up and got connected to a local counselor. It's been great. You know how when you try to find a counselor, especially in the before times, it took a lot of work? When you do finally connect with someone, you might have had to trek across town or even to a different town, navigating traffic and scheduling. With BetterHelp, I got connected in just a few days. The scheduling was super easy, and the commute just required me to walk across my house to a different room. If you're needing support and counseling, give BetterHelp a try. You can sign up using our specific Grief Out Loud link. It's betterhelp.com forward slash grief, and you'll get 10% off your first month. So once again, it's betterhelp.com forward slash grief. Okay, here's today's interview. Sometimes when someone dies, there are parts of the relationship that are so beautiful and loving that they are too painful to think about. Sometimes there are parts of that same relationship with the very same person that are less beautiful and they can be just as painful to think about. It's rare for a relationship to be all good or all bad, especially a relationship between a mother and a daughter, or I should be more specific, a mother-daughter relationship traversing the wild lands of adolescence. Aaliyah was just 13 when her mother, who was her only parent, was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Over the next two years, Aaliyah grew into her role as a caregiver for her mom cooking, helping around the house, and as her mom became more ill, snuggling in bed with her and their kitty, laughing, crying, and just spending time together. When Aaliyah's mom died, Aaliyah had to move to a different state, to a different high school, and to a whole new living situation. She moved in with her grandparents, who were her mother's closest friends, and who knew Aaliyah since she was very young. Over the next few years, Aaliyah delved into all aspects of what it meant to be a grieving teen including what it meant to reckon with the parts of her relationship with her mom that were difficult. Now, as a recently graduated high school senior who's heading off to another new adventure as a college student, Aaliyah's in a very different place in her grief, a place where she can embrace the parts of her mom and their connection that were loving and kind, and also the parts that were challenging and painful. Aaliyah, thank you so much for making time to be on Grief Out Loud with me today. Thank you so much for having me. So I know we're going to talk about a lot today about your life and being a teen and grieving, but let's start with your mom. Like, Tell us about her. What was she like and what kind of mom was she? Yeah, my mom was definitely a very loving and dedicated and hardworking person. Before um, she adopted my sister, I, uh, she always 
was trying to find ways to help other people in um, throughout her whole career. When she adopted my sister and I, we basically became her like biggest joy. And that was like her number one thing. Um, she always wanted to be a mom, but she still made sure like that she could help others and um, just give us the very best life that we could have. Yeah. And you were kind of just heading into your teenage years when your mom was diagnosed with cancer. And then, you know, you were 13 when she was diagnosed and you were 15 when she died. And from what I hear, parents sometimes are different when their kids are younger than when their kids are older. And did you notice anything about like, was your mom changing her parenting style with you as you grew older? Yes, definitely. Um, So she was a single parent and she worked full time mostly from home. Um, And then when uh, my sister and I were um, in like seventh and eighth grade in high school and a little bit older, she did go into the office and stuff. But because we were homeschooled, there was much more of a focus on her making sure that she was teaching us everything that she could. There definitely became a strain on our relationship because homeschooling wasn't like the best option for me and my learning style. A lot of the interactions that we had when I was younger and even especially into sixth grade and some of seventh grade was really hard because that became our whole life almost. And even when we weren't doing school, there was still still some kind of tension in our house but as I got older, my sister was more doing her own thing. And so she had more time to focus on me sometimes, which <laughs> made it a little bit hard. I think it definitely came down to her wanting the best for us, making sure that we were learning things. And sometimes in the moment of things, it would seem like, oh my goodness, like how am I going to get through the day or whatever? And being like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. And how could she be doing this to me or whatever? But it was all out of love and support for me and my sister. So your mom really played multiple roles. Like she's solo parent, she's teacher, she's household organizer. Like she was doing everything. And it's interesting as you were talking and saying she worked from home and homeschooled you. It's, you know, that was back in 2010, 2011, 2013. We're now in 2020 in the pandemic, but it sounds like you had like a little foreshadowing of what was to come for so many families (laughs) right now where everybody's home and trying to do everything together and and tensions are rising even when things are being done out of uh, good intentions and love. Mm -hmm. So given all those roles that your mom played, you know, in 2013, she gets diagnosed, you're in seventh grade. How did that change things for you? And and what do you remember about finding out about her diagnosis? So I definitely remember the night that she told us. It was like after dinner, um, my sister and I were like sitting at the dinner table and she was talking to us. You could tell that she was definitely 
nervous or scared, um, but she didn't really want to show it to us because she always wanted to show that she was okay. But when she did tell us that she had ovarian cancer, because I could tell that she was scared, I like definitely like tried to comfort her and hug her. And I remember that she told us not to Google it, just to trust the doctors, to trust what she was telling us about how things were going to happen. But looking back on that now, it's really clear that I had no idea what she was telling us that night, like all that like was going to happen. I don't think she could, even if she told me like so much about the process, about chemotherapy, about the effects, all that kind of stuff, I don't think it really was going to prepare me. Definitely that whole first year, like sure, I was helping out a little bit more around the house. Um, I would go with her for chemo sometimes because I was still partially homeschooled. And so on the days that she had chemotherapy, I would go with her for like the six hours and um, she would start to like do work and she would always bring her computer. She always made sure <laughs> that she was putting other people first. Um, but then she would be falling asleep and, and I was doing my homework or supposed to be at least. I definitely didn't understand everything that she was going through, both physically and emotionally. Um, and so sometimes when I look back on that, I wish that from that point when she talked to us that I really were to have changed some of my actions of just being more supportive for her and more helpful around the house and like doing my assignments and things like that instead of like that being an added stressor for her. Yeah, it sounds like one of those situations where like you don't know until you're out of it what was actually happening. Exactly. And also that idea of like, you know, you were a young teenager doing what young teenagers do, even though the circumstances you were in were so not quote unquote normal. Don't like to use that word, but you know, they were out of the ordinary, but you're just like going through it, right? You don't have the chance to really reflect on what it means. And I know you ended up taking on a pretty primary caregiving role with your mom. What was that like for you? Um, it was definitely a lot for me to handle. I think the first year wasn't that much. I was just doing minor kinds of things. And I could tell that, like, my mom was more tired because of the chemo. And so, like, I knew and my sister knew that, like, dinners were on our own. Or um, occasionally we would have to skip going somewhere or whatever. Um, but definitely like that first year, my mom pushed herself so much to be able to keep a regular like teenage life for us. And around November, December of 2016, uh, my mom was taking experimental drugs because of the chemotherapy and radiation hadn't been helping at all or like not enough. And so she was on these really extreme drugs and at that point was when 
my role definitely changed because she was in so much pain. She like couldn't do a whole lot of things. She had mouth sores, so she couldn't eat anything a lot of times. And so because she couldn't eat, she had no energy. I think that's too when my my personal actions changed more of taking a little more responsibility for myself. And the last like five or six months of her life, again, she had little, very little energy. Um, we had a two-story house and her bedroom was on the second floor. Towards the last several months, it was really hard for her to get downstairs. And so it would sometimes even be like two days that she would be up in her bed and like wouldn't go downstairs at all. Luckily, my sister could drive and she could take us like to school and everything. I like brought her anything that she needed. And I think most of all, my the best memory that I have over the course of the like 24 five months that she had cancer was surprisingly at the end when I would just lay in bed with her we would both kind of cry or we would talk about this or that or and our cat would always be there too and um, it was just really open and raw even though we didn't always like talk about what we were feeling it was definitely being communicated. Just like being in it together, even if you aren't saying the direct words about what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. And I think as I've grown up, I've definitely realized, I bet how scared she was for not only herself, but having two kids and not being sure what like life was going to be like for us after wanting the best for us. I I have no idea how she did everything that she did and got everything ready for my sister and I as she was like going through this. And so I definitely look up to her for her strength during it all. And the ways in which she was caring for you and your sister, even if she wasn't able to make it down the stairs and cook food or drive you all to school or, or to activities, just like yeah. making those plans for you. And when did you find out or know or understand like what would happen for you after your mom died, like where you would live and who you would live with? On like the last couple of days that she was in the hospital, my mom, it was the first time that my mom actually told me that I was going to be living with some family friends that were right by my high school, still within a drive from all of my other uh, activities and friends and stuff. And my mom spent a lot of time trying to build the communities for us. And she really wanted me to stay in those communities of people who I had grown up with. But it actually wasn't until she had actually passed away that almost like, I want to say a month later, I was talking to my grandparents. And when I say my grandparents, they're actually my mom's like closest friends. Um, But I call them my grandparents. They 
were there the last like month before my mom died. And then they were with my sister and I for a couple months after that period. Um, but we were talking one day and I just got all emotional and also kind of frustrated because my mom never told me what was going to happen to me before that day, like, which was actually two days, I believe, before she passed. I was talking to my grandparents and I just didn't understand why I wasn't going to be with the people that I had grown up with, like my family that I grown up with, like why I couldn't live with them. And yes, they lived in Portland. Yes, that was going to be a change and stuff. But at that moment, after being through a lot of like a really hard situation emotionally, I needed to be with people who kind of understood the situation and what was happening in our house. I think more than the connections that I had made at school. So if I'm understanding you correctly, your mom had a plan for you to go with other people, people who were going to be in the state you had grown up in. And then you were like, wait a minute, I want to be with these people who have known me and my family this whole time. So when when did that switch happen? Was that after your mom died that that got negotiated? Or did you all figure that out before your mom died? No, it was um, in... And so in late April, my mom died and it was actually in, I want to say either late June or July that it actually got decided that I was going to be moving up to Oregon and to Portland uh, to live with my grandparents for the remainder of high school. So Aaliyah, given that like when your mom died, she had the plan of what was going to happen to you and your sister. And then it changed after she died. What's that been like for you knowing that like you, you took it on a different course than your mom had in her mind when she died? I think that she is happy that I made this choice um, to live with my grandparents. Uh, Family was definitely something that she valued and she valued, um, relationships with other family members and so following what I needed in my heart was something and like still is something that she would have been happy about I bet that if she was alive and if she could have if she could be talking about this um that she would be kind of frustrated that she spent all those hours um, (laughs) figuring out the plans and having those tough conversations with people. But yeah, I think she would definitely be happy. What was it like for you? So the, the majority of the time that you've been grieving your mom's death has been spent in a town in a state that you didn't share with your mom. Like your life with her was in a different state. What's it been like for you to grieve her without those physical reminders of your relationship? It's been really hard because I moved schools and it was a totally new city and a new state. I think that was what was the hardest in addition to the grief because I had to figure out a totally new high school and For anybody who has moved in the middle of 
high school, that's really hard because everybody's got their cliques and everybody's got their friends that they've known and stuff. So it's, it's a challenge to move somewhere, but I know that I would not have been able to make the transition as smoothly as I did without my grandparents and their um, support for me um, and help. And so in terms of grieving, I think that the first couple of months, I was really, for the most part, quiet about my grief. I wasn't really sure how to handle things. I definitely cried a lot. Um, But even the first couple of months with my grieving, I didn't express a whole lot because of everything that I had just gone through. It's really kind of hard to say it, but it was a relief that she died. It was, it was a feeling that finally she's at peace. Like finally I'm at peace too. Like I know, yes, she's gone, but the emotional toll and the physical toll on her and me and my sister were a lot. And so to know that she was okay now um, helped in that. And then a couple months later when like school was starting, that's when I think I was feeling most of my grief. And I can remember a couple times that I actually just started crying in the shower or I would cry at the dinner table or I would just cry at school a couple times. And my family calls it grief bombs where they just come out of the blue and they hit you really hard. And then a little while later, you can go back to doing whatever. I think the biggest thing that helped me with my grief early on was talking to people who had known my mom, so all of my other family, and then some friends who had helped me along the way. Another big part of kind of your process in Portland has been coming to a grief support group for teens at the Dougie Center. That's how you and I met. Mm -hmm. And do you remember what it was like coming to your very first group yeah. At first, I really didn't want to come to the Dougie Center. I didn't know what this whole thing was going to look like or sound like or feel like. And my grandparents kept encouraging me to uh, check it out and go to the Dougie Center, but only if I wanted to. Like, they weren't going to push me, but it was my choice. And so I decided, okay, I'll try it like once. And so that first time, I actually don't remember what all group felt like in the moment, but I just remember coming home and on the drive home being really happy and thinking that this could be a big help for me because the biggest thing that has helped me grieve is being able to talk about my mom, being able to talk about who she was, I think. And so hearing other people also want to do that or even just be there to listen to you talk about your person has been really helpful. 
What are some of the ways that a group has affected you and your grief? I know you talked about like just being in a room with people who you can talk and they talk and you listen and like for someone out there who maybe has never been to a grief support group or like, oh, that sounds terrible. I don't want to go be in a room with a bunch of sad people. Like what, <laughs> what are some of the things about group that have been specifically helpful for you? It's funny that you mention a room full of sad people because it really isn't all that because like in group, we can talk beyond the death. We can talk about who our person was and what our favorite memories were. And like, we can talk about anything compared to at school or on a sports team or like friends who you talk to who haven't experienced a loss. Um, I feel like they get stuck on the fact that, oh, your person has died and that I'm so sorry for you or that must have been really hard. It's kind of that awkward point of not really being able to or not sure how the conversation goes of like, well, do they want to talk about it or do they not want to talk about it? So being in a group and an area of people who have had similar experiences, it takes away that awkwardness. So it can go beyond the death and go to the real, either the effects of it or the everything in between. Almost like there's an agreement, right? That we're going to go beyond, oh, your person died. I'm sorry. Like we're going to we're going to keep the conversation going. Like yeah. That's the contract we have in group to do that. And you don't have to wonder, like, is this person going to talk to me? Are they going to be uncomfortable? Are they going to be able to sit with me as if no matter what comes up, even if I'm laughing or talking about having a sense of relief or crying or, you know, all the other things that come with grief? Yeah. And I think it's so important, too, in a support group that it's not just all sad and it's not just all crying sometimes it is and for some people it is but it really is a space where you can just like naturally talk and be yourself and everybody expresses like their own feelings and so actually a lot of times there's nobody that's crying and there's um and that a lot of times people are happy to be talking about it or they're laughing or something and so it's just a wonderful place to be which kind of sounds weird to say, but it is. <laughs> right? I know. It's like revealing the secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're you're facing another transition. You've just recently graduated from high school. You're making plans for college in the time of COVID. So that's still kind of to be determined <laughs> what that's going to look like. What is it like for you to be moving into this new phase of life, to be saying goodbye to your group at the Dougie Center, and also just to be doing something different and your mom not here to talk to her about it or share that with her? I think it's going to be a challenge, but I know that I have the support that I need. I can find the people who I can talk to. And even though I'm leaving my group at Dougie, which I'm really sad about, that I I have the confidence to figure out like what this whole new transition is going to look like and know that 
my mom would be really proud of me because she definitely wanted to see both my sister and I succeed in whatever form that looked like. And plus, I think that I know myself a lot more, definitely a lot more than I knew myself three years ago. And so I know when I can feel like a grief bomb coming on or the times of the year that are harder for me and having a couple people that I can talk to definitely helps. As you're talking, it it almost sounds like you've learned to trust yourself in your grief rather than like, oh, I'm not grieving anymore. Everything's fine. It's more like grief is going to keep being a part of my life, but I trust that I've got the skills and the support and the wherewithal to access those supports and skills in order to do what I need to do in the moment. Oh, definitely. Right after my mom's funeral, I got several people gave my sister and me books on grief or the stages of grief or how to grieve when a parent dies, stuff like that. And honestly, I don't like reading that much. So I didn't really read a whole lot about it or anything, honestly. But yeah, I've definitely learned that there's never an end to grief. There never really should be an end to grief because all those memories are still with you. They're never going to like disappear and stuff. And so it's kind of comforting to know that I can have those days where I can feel like nothing bad ever happened in my life and be able to enjoy being 18 or being in high school or going to college or whatever, but also knowing that when I do think about my mom, it's not always sad. One of the things we know about grief, even if we haven't read any books about it, we (laughs) sort of just like live our way into this recognition that grief really changes over time. And as we change and our relationship to the grief changes and, you know, it seemed like in this last year, you were really delving into some different aspects of grief and, and, and different aspects of your relationship with your mom, kind of getting into some of the challenging pieces. What was that like for you? What did you learn from that sort of discovery process? It was definitely a challenge. I kind of had understood. um, So it was like around last summer, I think, um, that I really started diving into my relationship with my mom and what things were like before she had cancer. Kind of as I said earlier, we didn't always have the best relationship because her having all the different hats to wear of the teacher, the the mom, the everything else. When I wouldn't behave or when there would be an issue in while she was one of those roles, say like the teacher, then it, it translated to everything else. And so we would definitely get into like arguments and screaming matches and times where it wasn't that fun to be in that household. I was definitely really mad at my mom for a long time. Just thinking about that starting last summer has been really hard to figure out, well, am I happy that she's not here anymore? Or am I, am I, do I miss all that? Like, where, how do I, how do I deal with this? It was really after each group on 
Tuesday nights that the car ride home, I would just be thinking about that and I would cry about it with my grandmother in the car in the entryway with my grandfather and our dog. Just, I think I finally accepted that those were the things that happened in the past. And that's when I really realized that everything she did and tried to do was out of love for my sister and me, that nobody is perfect. So I can't hold on to those really negative times and make that the main focus of my grief or my relationship with my mom. And so thinking about her as a whole. And I think that the biggest, one of the things that have helped me this year has been seeing, going through photos and having family show me photos of when I was younger and seeing me smile and seeing my mom smile. And we really did have a good time. We like, we would always bake things on our birthdays or we would go to the park or to the zoo and it was great. And so just thinking about those, those fun times helped me understand that I can't blame anything specifically. Like I can't hold that as like the one thing that I think about. It almost seems like in order to get to this place of having compassion for your mom and being able to see her fully, you had to really confront the parts that were challenging. You know, like you couldn't have just started from the place of like, I'm just never going to think about that. My mom was great. And that's that. Yeah. And there's no room for looking at like, Ooh, maybe it was not so great to have my teacher living in my house with me <laughs> and being my mom at the same time. And so yeah, like to be able to confront those really sit with those acknowledge that that was true. And then that made space for and my mom was doing that out of love. And we did have a lot of really great memories together. And she's a full, she's a full human with yeah. all of her like positive qualities and, and maybe more challenging qualities too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was definitely accepting where I was at the moment, knowing that sure, I was thinking about something hard or about a time that I didn't like and thinking really negatively towards my mom, but also knowing that that's just like what I had to do. Like there was no way kind of around it either. Like I'm not really good at avoiding things or thinking <laughs> about other things. And so, yeah, I just had to focus on that and let myself think about those things for a while then to be able to think about her as a whole and think about the good times too. What would you most want your mom to know about your life today? That I've grown up a lot. That I have the tools and the the support to face anything that like comes at me and sure that things are going to be hard, but that really like that I can do it. <laughs> I think she would be really happy about where I am and like where my sister is from what you've talked today about your mom, it seemed like she was a really competent person too. You know, like somebody who had the skills and the tools to make stuff happen. And it sounds like that. Yeah. It, in a way, you're kind of carrying on her legacy of, of having that same confidence to, yeah, to be able to navigate whatever's going to come across your path. Yeah. 
Well, Aaliyah, I'm so grateful that we got to have this conversation today. I mean, you and I have talked every other Tuesday (laughs) for a couple of years, but it's so special to be able to have this conversation on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's going to be really great to be able to look back on this podcast too and see where I was and listen to where I was um, when I was 18 too. So thank you so much for having me. And listeners out there, thank you for being part of our community, for tuning in, for sharing the show with people that you think might be helped and supported by it. Please reach out if you have anything you want to share with me about the show or about a book you've read or a movie or something that would be like a good topic for the for a podcast episode. You can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org. And if you're feeling drawn at all to support our work, uh, Grief Out Loud is produced by the Dougie Center, which is a nonprofit in Portland. You can always support our work by going to dougy.org forward slash grief out loud. And there is a large blue donate now button at the top of the screen. So thanks again for listening. And we hope you'll join us again next time. 